1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, on April 7th, the Liberal government presented the federal budget. One of the highlights, $10.14 billion on housing. And to break some of these numbers down, Tina, we have the MP for Vaughn Woodbridge, Francesco Cervera, Welcome to On the Market, Francesco. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here and great to be discussing such an important topic uh, for the uh, residents of York Region. Certainly is, and $10 billion sounds like a big investment. Tell our listeners how that breaks down. Well, I think the, the first and the largest uh, piece of this investment is, is $4 billion over five years uh, for what's going to be called a housing accelerator fund. Uh, because what we've been saying at the federal government level is we know that we need to increase the supply of housing uh, for Canadians. Uh, and to do that best, we need to encourage a VS uh, Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation working with other levels of government to make sure that, that any bottlenecks that there are in the system, that we can get housing approved and get housing built. Uh, that's the largest, uh, I would say, largest chunk. Uh, and then these, uh, we've been doing this, what's called a rapid housing initiative. Um, and we're putting another $1.5 billion. It's been great success uh, to build another 6,000 new affordable housing units across the country. Uh, a number of other measures. I know you're doubling the first-time homebuyers tax credit, uh, supporting a rent-to-own. Uh, and then, you know, probably something that I think a lot of Canadians have been asking about is, you know, the extent of foreign investment in, Can- in the Canadian housing market and and banning that foreign investment in the Canadian housing market. I think it's, it's uh, you know, putting a pause on that to ensure that Canadians have the first opportunity to purchase a home. Now, we've also heard about the tax-free first home savings account. How will it help those first-time buyers? Oh, it, it, you know, we, we've come up with some great measures in, in, in a number of budgets that we've done over years. And I think this measure that you've identified, the tax-free first home savings account, is going to allow Canadians that, you know, are, are starting off in the workforce, uh, looking to buy a home, you know, maybe not today, but in a couple of years, uh, to save up to $40,000. And it's going to work literally like an RSP, but even an improved from an RSP, um, because the money that you put into the, the tax-free uh, first home savings account um, will be actually tax-deductible and, uh, and, you know, will be deducted from your taxes. And then when you take it out, actually will be tax-free. Uh, and you can save up to $40,000, um, and that will, you know, that you can utilize uh, to put towards, um, you know, the purchase of your first property. Um, and, you know, and there, there are some, some details with regards to that and happy to answer them with any of your viewers uh, as we go forward. But I think this is going to be a very, very popular savings vehicle um, for, you know, individuals starting off in the workforce and looking to buy their first home and, and, and willing to save. And the government will help them. You'll, you'll get a big tax deduction uh, when, you, when you make the, 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 the donation or the uh, investment and you can take it out tax free to buy your first home. That's awesome. And, and, you know, one of the big issues that uh, we face in the field is supply. And can you tell us a little bit about the help for municipalities that uh, will speed up the process of building homes? 
Well, the, the two tangents where, you know, we want to help municipalities. We know that they are the central decision makers or planners in terms of where housing is, is determined to be located and the process to get a building permit. As we know, as of getting a building permit is that last step to start building. And we, we need to make sure that there, if there are any bottlenecks, uh, that we need to eliminate them. And that's really where we're targeting, uh, the housing accelerator fund, uh, to work with, uh, and determine the needs and realities of cities and communities. And also to ensure that the infrastructure money, uh, that we've set aside for, for, from, you know, for all of Canada, which is literally tens of billions of dollars, um, is, is done in a way that encourages, uh, densification, uh, density, uh, where there is, large public transit uh, infrastructure projects. You know, we see here, for example, in the city of Vaughan, uh, near the Vaughan Metropolitan Centre, where we have density arising because of, you know, a large investment from all levels of government uh, for the extension of the um, uh, the Spadina subway uh, line up to, to the city of Vaughan. And we want to make sure where the federal government is investing literally billions of dollars, uh, that especially for public transit funding, uh, that we are getting an increased housing supply, uh, and you know, housing is defined in you know everything from condos to your detached houses. Um, you know, we're getting that increased housing supply and increased density where that public transit funding is taking place. Now we've heard the term rapid housing mentioned throughout, but we know that yes. housing doesn't happen quickly. What solutions are there for those looking for a home or looking to get into the market right now? Because it's just so tough. It's so unaffordable. Um, Tina, I would, I cannot agree with that statement. Uh, uh, you, you said it perfectly. You look, the housing market right now is a challenge for first-time buyers and, and for Canadians uh, looking to buy their their, their first home uh, or even move up to an extent. Uh, we know uh, that we uh, that supply is a major issue. Uh, it's going to take time for for the supply to change in terms of getting it ramped up uh, from where it is today. Uh, so we, we definitely know that's happening. But you know, we've acknowledged, uh, I think, rightly so. Uh, that there's an issue with supply. We've, we've brought in a number of measures in this budget that will help in terms of the affordability. Uh, obviously, they will take time to take effect. But there are a number of measures that I think, you know, when you look at the intergenerational issue that is taking place, uh, you know, people my age in their 50s uh, versus others and maybe younger wanting to get into the housing market, we want to make sure they, they have their, 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 um, their, their chance to do that and, and uh, that have, they have their opportunity to do, to do that. And that's what I would say that these measures are going to take time to take an effect, but I'm very, very confident that, you know, the goal of doubling the number of new housing units is going to be uh, something that's going to increase supply and, and, uh, and, and provide more choice for consumers. And one more change was the tax on flipping. So if people are selling their home within the first year, they're going to be subject to capital gains as that's now going to be treated as a business venture. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think there's actually that measure and a second measure in terms of assignment sales. You know, I look at purchasing a home as, as purchasing a home, not an investment. Uh, and in terms of flipping, you know, our, our, the tax system is made in such that if you, uh, you know, you own a home for more than a year uh, and you live in it, uh, that's your principal residence and you, and, and you get uh, and you receive the principal, principal residence exemption amount, uh, exemption for paying capital gains. Uh, if you are a flipper and only purchasing a home or a condo for, uh, to hold it for less than a year uh, and then uh, not declaring that income or declaring that income in a way that's not appropriate, uh, we're going to make sure that uh, that income is treated uh, appropriately and taxed at the appropriate tax rate. I think the other one is on the what I believe is called an assignment sale, 
where people avoid paying the GST, HST on a purchase of a condo or home uh, that isn't construction, uh, constructed yet or about to be constructed, uh, and then go and sell that contract to another individual, uh, take their gain, but avoid paying taxes on uh, the GST, HST. We're also going to eliminate that loophole as well. You know, we know our society only works uh, when all Canadians are paying their fair share of, of taxes, and at the same time, uh, that the housing market is not just there uh, for people to uh, you know make gains on, but for people actually to buy a home and create memories for for themselves and their family. And speaking of families, the Deputy PM and Finance Minister Christopher Freeland said the housing issue is an intergenerational injustice. I'm not asking you to speak for her, but how does this budget help that issue? Well, I, I think uh, that you know the comments from the W Prime Minister are, are, are absolutely correct uh, in terms of the way she's framed it. You know, I would say that obviously you know, purchasing a home uh, is always the, is the largest investment that Canadians will will, will make in their lives, largely. And and uh, in, in this budget, we've identified that look, we can't continue as such in terms of what is going on and, and, and accept that as to be the normal. Uh, we need to make sure that we have our increasing supply uh, over and over, and we need to put in the proper mechanisms to make sure that those building permits, because it comes down to building permits, that those building permits are issued uh, and, and, and on the, in the ground, houses are built, and we can increase that supply, which would obviously alleviate the pressure on price uh, to a large degree and provide consumers choices in terms of what type of housing they like to have, where they would like to live, and make sure that our public transit uh, spending is tied to uh, what I would say densification or intensification in housing, so people can live closer uh, to you know a subway or a bus arterial road uh, and so forth. We see that in York Region, and and it's, it's great to see um, with the Young North Subway uh, extension that'll happen in the coming years. Uh, we need to see that as uh, see that uh, in that area as well. Great information, Francesco. And thank you so much for joining On The Market. We look forward to uh, speaking with you in the future as well. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, just want to wish everyone a, a wonderful rest of the week. After the break, drones, virtual tours, and how technology is changing the home buying experience. This is On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next is Mohit Rajans, a media consultant at thinkstart.ca. Mohit, welcome to the show. Hey, Asif. Thanks for having me. Well, there's certainly been a lot of changes in how we showcase properties to consumers and, and even on the internet. Share with us some of your observations about the changes in the home buying process. Well, it's been fascinating to watch just how the digital acceleration in real estate has happened over the past two and a half years. I'm sure you can attest to the fact that certain trends that you thought were never going to stick around have actually stuck around quite a bit 
when it comes down to the way people are shopping and looking for homes these days. But I think it's gone beyond that. I think there's been a change in demand in the way that people are looking for the types of properties that they're interested in. I think there's data-driven decisions that are coming to the heart of decisions for people that move to different places. And I think the online marketing tools that exist are really starting to go everywhere from the potential to scout new locations to live in to manage the entire process of a sale. So we're truly at a pivotal point now where the real estate market in general is changing because of the online environment. And do you think these these changes would have happened regardless of the pandemic? It's interesting, Tina. You can put technology out to so many people, and it depends on how what the utility is at the end of the day. And so I think that we've accelerated it only based on the needs, but I can't help but imagine how many great ideas kind of didn't have the right timing because we're seeing so many different types of tools being introduced, for example, just even in the way people are assessing if they want to make these big decisions. Real estate is a big decision. The last thing we think is that we're going to want to buy it on online or on the or plus <laughs> click yes on the internet and all of a sudden have this big debt. But it's starting to change because it's a process now where a growing population is feeling more uh, comfortable with the way larger transactions are happening online. And there's some great insight about how you can follow the process as well. And Mohit, during the pandemic, virtual tours, I mean, virtual tours, we know they've been around for a long time. But during the pandemic, they became the way that people would see homes and and it was almost a cool thing to do to get on the internet and look at houses virtually and, you know, possibly even make that purchase. Do you think buyers have had enough of the virtual tour now that we're coming out of the pandemic? Well, it's definitely a spoil of riches because the quality of the virtual tour tours have completely increased. I'm sure you can remember a time period where virtual tours almost took away from the value of a, a property sometimes if it wasn't produced properly. So I think well, what instead what is happening is the interactivity of these virtual tours is really starting to be stepped up. It's bringing to light what imagination uh, can be infused in the process. For example, the model home doesn't have to look like the model home anymore. You can decorate it online with your aesthetic. You can now look at a virtual tour based on the space that you need for a certain thing where the office doesn't need to be an office. It could be another bedroom. So I think the the potential and the way technology is moving, the creativity around virtual tours is extremely exciting. But at the end of the day, you said it. I don't think you're ever going to be able to replicate what it really feels like to be able to obviously be in a, a space, but I don't also think you're going to capture the imagination of people totally by just enhancing these virtual tours. And talking about stepping it up, agents and sellers are using drones to showcase their properties. Is that right? Yeah, it's interesting there too, Tina, if you consider the fact that there's two things at play here. One is that uh, the physical mobility of people to go and check out properties if they're searching, et cetera, has been limited based on various pandemic rest- restrictions. But the other thing that people forget, unfortunately, is that drone technology isn't just about pretty pictures. It's actually an interesting way to survey land. And the way that drones are starting to work now is that it's doing everything from geolocation tools to show people what the potential is to actually uh, use the land that they're buying for other development. And so 
on one hand, I would think even four or five years ago, it'd be wonderful to see this wonderful, sh- you know, way to see the area, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually collecting a lot more data now than we would assume. And it's mainly because people are trying to protect their investments. And you'll start to see way more of these technical tools being used so people understand more about the investment that they're making. Because remember, for the longest time, the real estate agency didn't care at all about the digital archive or the footprint of a property. And you also suggest uh, a lot of social media usage, Mohit. And, you know, there was a time where realtors would uh, go home and zone out by going on Facebook or Instagram, and all of a sudden, realtors were using this to promote properties. It was almost like going to work after you left work when we would go on there. And, you know, TikTok was a medium where we would be able to zone out, and we kept saying, oh, please don't use TikTok for real estate. Please don't use TikTok. But now people are also using TikTok for the home buying and selling process. And it's kind of cool what they're doing. Tell us a little bit about these platforms. Well, Asif, it's quite an exciting time. To be honest with you, I don't know anything about real estate other than what I'm getting from creators. And that's the fascinating part. Most people that I interact with are people like yourself that are extremely knowledgeable. They just don't know how to share their knowledge. I think we need to go back to the idea that all of these social media platforms are just stages for people to market on. And the way that real estate agents, new and old, have been able to use everything from YouTube to TikTok to Instagram, it's fascinating because I guarantee that none of them are using using it just for aesthetic, they're now using it for marketing and sales tools. And those marketing and sales tools are so important regardless of where you're selling. It has to do more with how you're connecting to your customer. So when you look at TikTok and the fascinating way ways people are describing the realty experience, they're not doing it because they want the likes and the streams and they can do great dances. They're doing it because they want the customers to eventually come and rely on them for their information. The way podcasting is starting to be used by real estate agents is phenomenal because remember, you know, some of us don't even have flyers in our house anymore that indicate what sale houses are being sold in the area. We don't look at newsletters the same way as we used to. Now people are using podcasting as research. They're saying, hey, here's a great area you might want to look at. Here's why. Here's some people from the area. I think it's phenomenal the way social media is being used in conjunction with real estate to grow the potential to reach out to new customers. And I love how you can get the entire message out in a shortened time span because the reality is the attention span of users is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So for Instagram or TikTok or even some of the shorter YouTube videos, it's a great way to get that message out quickly. How has real estate changed forever by technology? And what do you think is coming up next? Well, Asif, I do want to go back to one thing uh, with reference to social media. I think it's important for the uh, any of us who are interested in real estate to recognize the difference between agency and authority. There's many people online that have the authority to speak about some great areas or the type of developments that are happening, but they're not necessarily the agency in which you're going to engage with to actually go through the process. And so I think we have to caution people sometimes. You get into these parasocial relationships where you think, oh, this person's a real estate authority. Chances are they're a referral network, and it's important for people who are looking at some of these videos etc. to understand that. But thinking about the future, I think authority is really going to be the big big thing here. When it comes down to it, there's many different, there's Zilio, there's all these different apps that exist that are promising the idea of easing the transaction of home buying and helping you with the process. But at the end of the day, we feel way more comfortable when we know we're in good hands. And we're only in good hands with people that we trust. And that's usually based on referrals. So I think the future of technical, I'm 
pardon me, the future from a digital perspective definitely comes with the idea of reaching more people and connecting with the right customers and people who speak your language and all of the stuff that you benefit from having these types of tools. But what I don't think is going to be replaced is that actual touch needed by somebody who's really going to be able to physically feel, you know, feel your pain ahead of time and understand where the pitfalls can be when you're searching for real estate. Wow. Agency versus authority. That was powerful. Mohit, if people want to connect with you, how can they get more information and how do they contact you? Yeah, I'm at thinkstart.ca and I work with people consistently who are looking to find new ways and new platforms to tell their stories. And uh, we try to make it fun in the process. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Mohit, and for the great info. My pleasure. Anytime. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. And Joan in Thornhill writes, We recently purchased a home, and as I prepare to stage my current home, I feel like I made a mistake. Is buyer's remorse common? What should I do? Is that a, that's that's a really good question. And yes, it is very common. And we've seen more and more of that. Uh, during the the peak of the bidding war periods. And, you know, people go into a bidding war, they get caught up in the emotion, they really want the house, and sometimes they pay more than they initially thought they wanted to pay. There's always questions, and then when you're speaking to friends and relatives, everyone has a story of buying something cheaper or buying something different, and that's where buyer's remorse sets in. So, you know, what we always tell our clients is, well, you've just purchased a house, let's enjoy it, let's go back and see it again. In, in a week or two, and that's when the excitement is going to set in. But buyer's remorse is very common, and it does happen. And it's not only with uh, houses. It also happens with other purchases as well. And the thing to do is uh, know that you made the right decision. Uh, there's going to be a lot of conversations around this prior to signing that final contract. And if you know that that house is right for you, that is the right house for you. And you're also suggesting then that they visit the home again in a couple weeks? just to reconfirm that they made the right choice? Well, after the, you know, after the fact, it's a little bit too late to change your mind anyway. And, and <laughs> yeah. when you've purchased a home and it's a firm deal, that's also too late to change your mind. But you, you want to be sure that when you're evaluating the criteria to purchase that home, that you've done your homework, you've picked the right home. And once you go in for a second time, it's going to start feeling like home because now you're going in, you're planning for furniture, you're planning for paint colors and decor, and that's when the excitement starts to set in. So the first few days after you make that big purchase, there's always a little bit uh, of anxiety. But after you know a couple of weeks, when, when you've settled into the fact that that's your new home, start getting excited, start planning for the future, that's when uh, you really start to get excited about it. And Asif, you've been doing this a long time. Have you had clients go through this? And what do you tell them? How do you support them? All the time. And sometimes we have to almost tell them preemptively to say, listen, tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to wonder if this was the right decision. You're going to tell your friends at work. You're going to tell your family and they're going to say, wow, you bought the third house you saw or you bought the 10th house you saw. How did you do that? I looked at 60 houses and you start 
getting that doubt, but you know that feeling when you first walked into that property and you know that that was the right home for you. So that's what we have to rely on. Our next question comes from Francis in Markham, and we've heard a great deal about this lately. Homes in my community are still selling over asking, but I'm hearing talk about a slowdown. Do you think I should still proceed to list or wait to sell? Another great question. And what we like to tell people in that situation is look at the immediate area and the inventory levels in your area. And if there's not a lot for sale in your immediate area, that's the right time to list. You don't want to go on when your area is saturated with listings because that's when you're going to get into price competition over homes. But, you know, in a typical subdivision, there might be seven, eight, nine different models. And if there's 10 or 12 homes on the market, you know that someone else has the same model that you do that's going to be competing against you. And then it comes down to price and you don't want to get into the price game. You want to make sure your home shows well and it's going to sell first. So you want to make sure it's staged properly. You want to make sure that, uh, you know, when people walk in, they want to purchase your home over anything else in the area. So as long as you're watching the inventory levels and you're going on at at a, a relatively market type of pricing rather than, you know, a lot of people are going on in January, February pricing right now. It's the wrong strategy to use at this time. So things are slower, but that's a typical shift in the market. There's so much going on with interest rate hikes and people feeling, uh, you know, a little bit anxious about where they're going to buy, if they're going to buy. So you want to make sure that you have all your decks in order to, to proceed with the purchase and sale of your home and hit the market when inventory is low when you're trying to sell. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Okay, they can always call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Just before we go, the On The Market Hot Listing brought to you by Souk, S-O-U-Q-H, simplifying the home ownership experience. Asif, over to you. Okay, now we're going to go to Cornell, which is at 9th Line and Highway 7 in Markham. Fabulous community. We've had so many hot listings in this area. And we have a semi-detached home. It's 1,800, just over 1,800 square feet, 1,826 square feet. And this home is on a corner lot in Cornell Village. Beautiful sunny lot. It is... At completely renovated quartz counters. Uh, it's got, you know, a beautiful backyard. The living room has a walkthrough, French doors to the covered porch, generous primary suite with a four-piece ensuite. It is absolutely stunning. And it's got a two-car garage that sits at the end of the extra wide lot. And this one is offered for $1.35 million. Now that two-car garage, the corner lot, that's often a draw, isn't it? It sure is. Everybody has a couple of cars right now. We've got uh, kids that have cars right now. So, you know, if you have the two-car garage and a parking pad in front of the garage, that often makes a big difference in 
where people can actually move to. There's so many homes being built with just a single garage and a single parking spot, and it doesn't work for uh, you know a couple that's working, plus they have a child that has a car or a nanny that has a car. It just doesn't work, and, and so this is absolutely fabulous. And it's in Cornell Village, so even if you don't have a car, there's a new hub coming in for the transport, for Viva Transport. And it's right at the corner of Ninth Line and Highway 7, right beside the hospital. So it's very convenient, even if you don't have a car. Asif, one more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. This is a three-bedroom, three-bathroom property, Tina. It's a semi-detached home. It's offered at $1.35 million. There's new homes that are townhomes selling for over $1.4 million in this area. So this is a fabulous price. And the home is all done. It's move-in ready, hardwood floors, quartz countertops. And uh, for more information, you can contact Susan Taylor at 416-460-2330. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.